Kessel. Chelsea says I'm mad. Can you come to bed? No, I'd rather play with my figures instead. She said, can we be romantic and do things we enjoy? No, me and Brian Myers spent our savings on toys. Now I think my girl is gonna walk out the door. I'm only 37, but I look like 54. And Matt Cardona, you could be the man. But there's just one problem you should understand. You're the king of the Indies, and now you're rich. But to me, you will always be Edge's bitch. You and Brian Myers, you act like kids, but to me, you will always be Edge's bitch. You're the king of the indies, and now you're rich, but to me, you will always be Edge's bitch. To me, you will always be Edge's bitch. To me, you will always be Edge's bitch. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Well, once you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So, so good luck. Okay, good luck. You say rock bottom, but like, it just seems like things keep getting worse. What What is rock bottom? Who decides what's the bottom of all this? I mean, seriously, you go, okay, today is Friday, and I woke up in Cleveland, and I'm going, how much worse can it get? Look at me. I want you to fire me. You fucking mark. Fire me. Fire me. How you think they gonna feel when they introduce your boys as the new WWE Undisputed Tag Team Champion? I don't know who's. They might be cheering. Yeah. They might be booing. Yeah. Little kids might be crying. Oh, yeah. We got grown men out there crying. Yeah. But they still be hating on the Uso, hating on us. Why? Because we went out there and did what we said we was going to do. Yeet. Buffalo, all your babbling is interfering with my machine. So for the next few minutes, please just do me a favor and kindly shoot.
and gentlemen, welcome to episode 347 of the Hoots Podcast. It is your boy, the nefarious, the one and only brother Adam, aka Joshi Lopez, talking to you live from the Good Bird Studio in lovely Chicago, Illinois. It's Thursday, February 9th, 2023. Big things popping, little things stopping. And we got a big week of wrestling to discuss. Also, we got the big game coming up on Sunday in Phoenix, Arizona. It's the Philly is still trash Eagles against the Kansas City. I want to be New England Chiefs. We got a lot to discuss today. Not just football, but the wild and wacky world that is the world of professional wrestling. And boy, uh, things are cooking up, as they say. As we're getting closer to WrestleMania and so far, say it coming up in April. So, with that being said, let's get some initial plugs out of the way. If you want to follow me at Twitter, you can at the Hoots Podcast. Pretty simple ordeal, especially if you want to participate in our QA sessions. Um, all you have to do is hit me up either at Twitter at the Hoots Podcast or the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. Make sure to uh, subscribe to our channel on YouTube, uh, like this video, tell a friend about it. And for those who are watching and listening on YouTube right now, let us know, in your opinion, how would you go about closing night one of WrestleMania? I, it's a specific question, and uh, this is going to be a good test for those who are actually watching and listening to this. You can either respond to this in the comment section on YouTube, or let us know on Twitter. How would you go about Closing night one of WrestleMania 39. That's the question. Let us know in the comment section. Uh, I am alone this week. Brother Carter's via satellite this week. We're kind of switching up the format this week of the Hoots podcast. So as we usually do, traditionally, we'll do the Q&A first. But following that, you'll hear the thoughts of Derrico. Then we'll get to this week in WWE. And then we'll wrap it up with another jojo dutch edition of what the hell is wrong with aw because uh i i think <laughs> i think we're about to get to the point of where i'm about to start asking what the hell is the point of aew <laughs> so we got a lot to discuss i hope you guys are having a good week so far i hope you guys are clearing your head uh scoring some good waterfall getting that bag working hard you know just tr- trying to enjoy yourself I get it. I get it. There's days where you just want to lash out. You want to, you know, just scream at the top of your lungs. You probably want to drink a, a big Bud Light. Why? Want to get some whiskey? Why? Tequila? Why? You want to, you just want to partake and just clear your head from the stress that comes with our lives, especially for people who live here in the Midwest of Chicago, Illinois. And I get, I get, I get the temptation, I get the frustration. But from me to you, it'll be okay. You'll be all right. I just want to offer some encouragement there. Also, uh, a very important uh, life lesson. You know, this is not just a wrestling podcast. Um, one thing I've really realized, especially uh, being a content creator, uh, is having the ability to take a step back and reevaluate a lot of things. I'm more of like a big picture person than um, feeding off of instant reactions. I'm not. I, I feel that's the worst way to interact with people is instant um, feedback 
uh, reactions. Like, I'm not a reactionary person. Like, I have to... I read, I believe it's substance and nuance and just having context instead of just blurring shit just because we're having a conversation. I'm going to take in, and I think the biggest thing comes from that is just listening. It's one of the main things I learned when I was going to broadcasting school is the importance of reading the room and listening. And I hope you guys have noticed that on this show over the last six years that I try to listen. I try to look at things from a bigger picture point of view and not try to be as reactionary, you know, uh, or overly paranoid or insecure. Like, I feel like we have a lot of nice, nuanced conversations. Are there going to be times where you agree or disagree on a topic? Is there times where I let my emotion come out and get the best of me? Sure. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve sometimes. But um, one thing is certain when it comes to this podcast, good, bad, or different, you're going to get your genuine Joshy every single weekend. That's all I can do. And as I always said, this show is about, you know, being a positive mental escape for people and that I want you to feel like I'm sitting next to you and just having a good time uh, shooting the shit about wrestling. We could be driving the car uh, somewhere. We could be hanging out on the back porch just shooting the shit. We could be in a man cave watching a football. Uh, it's just all those same environments just in the audio platform. And I appreciate and grateful for every single one of you who check out this podcast each and every single week. But, but back to what I was saying, we all talk about sources, right, uh, in content creation. Like, who should I believe? Who shouldn't I believe? Who's being hoodwinked? Who's being led astray? Who's being run amok, right? But in content direct, uh, creation, and I think also in life, too, honestly, the best sources you'll ever have is your left and right eye. It's not somebody attached with a blue check mark. It's not somebody with status or clout. Uh, we are not a clout-chasing show. I'm not a clout-chasing person. Uh, we do what we do, and we speak for ourselves. And I, I think that's something I think a lot of people could work on and, you know, let you speak for you. Stop letting people dictate your enjoyment of professional wrestling. Stop letting pe- other people dictate how you view certain angles, stuff like that. Look, look at the title of the episode this week. That's just my opinion. You don't have to agree with me. I'm not, I'm not coming with this where this is the only way to do things or or else. I'm not that take it or leave it type of person. I have an opinion. I'm just looking from a bigger picture standpoint and how things have gone on with this bloodline storyline and stuff like that. And how these have gone since the, uh, since Sammy got uh, part of the bloodline, and just my opinion with how the story is actually being told, not what's being fed on Twitter by the wrestling Twitter bubble and their hype machine. Nothing about Sammy Zayn in the bloodline has nothing to, has had nothing to do with the world title. That's all been Twitter fed. That's been a hype train for Twitter and. As I said in the title of this episode, Sammy's not the one. Sammy Zayn is not the one to beat Roman Reigns for the WWE Undisputed Universal Heavyweight Championship. That's just my opinion. But back to what I was saying. Let you be the voice for you. I appreciate those who value uh, who I appreciate those who value my opinions and check out the pot every week and like where I come from. But again, I'm not I'm I'm not I'm not looking down at you. I'm not going to talk down to you. 
I'm certainly as hell not above you or anybody who does stuff like this. My ego's not that big. Uh, I have my opinion. I speak with nuance and context, and that's what we're going to do this week, as we usually do every single episode of Who's Podcast. Don't forget, coming up on March 2nd, we'll be celebrating our 350th episode. That's in three weeks, so it's pretty pretty cool. Um, Yeah, I guess we should get this bad boy started, but first and certainly not least, let me take a swig of water before we get start answering some questions here. Oh, yes. High quality H2O. Okay. We're going to start off as we usually do with the good brother Chris Zaletta at X Team Zaletta 24X on the Twitter. Throw up the X, ladies and gentlemen. He says, What up, Boost? Here's some questions for the QA this week. Who would you put in the WWE Hall of Fame this year? Well, I certainly would love to see Batista actually get his chance to do his induction speech um, with a live crowd and stuff like that. Um, I'm kind of curious how they're going to go about the Hall of Fame and if maybe you should reevaluate when you do the Hall of Fame. I always thought it would be kind of cool to do a Hall of Fame um, ceremony the night before SummerSlam. But now since these pay-per-views always be landing on Saturdays, you can't necessarily do that because it's on SmackDown. So, um They'll do it again like they did last year with Undertakers. They'll be uh, they'll be recording the Hall of Fame special after SmackDown that before WrestleMania, and um, I I hope Batista gets a chance to um, get his uh, flowers and stuff like that. Get to be part of that class. Um, I would say Medusa, but she's already in the in the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, I would love to see Victoria get in. Uh, I've said it before that I'm a big fan of Lisa Marie, the person, and just her career in general. She's more than qualified uh, to be in that class of the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, you know they've done these specials on Lex Luger. I'm surprised he's not in the Hall of Fame. I think he should probably go in, right? Um, you know what? I'd say MVP. If that's a possibility, I know he's still a current talent, but uh, I think MVP is more than worthy of being in the WWE Hall of Fame. Ah, uh, man. Speaking of Hall of Fame, this is live uh, as I'm recording this. Um, you're getting a live reaction as I'm recording this. Maybe you may hear it later in advance, but oh boy. <laughs> so. I just saw, saw on Twitter that sources, quote unquote sources, see how serious this is, says that Devin Hester will not be included in the new Hall of Fame class to be announced tonight on NFL Honors. What a bunch of horse shit. I hope that's not true. I certainly hope that's not true. So, again, uh, we'll see how this plays out, but there's no reason why Devin Hester should not be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but that is just my opinion. Okay, back to the question here. Um, Umaga, obviously, it's been a popular one a lot of people talk about. Uh, they're in Hollywood. You love to do Cindy Lauper, of course. Would you... Um, that's, man, there's it's, it's a lot to choose from. Uh... Those are the few that come off some end. I mean, if you want to do the Midnight Express, that'd be cool. Put Cornette in the Hall of Fame just for the hell of it. Goddamn, goddamn, motherfuckers. Uh, uh, hell, 
once and froze over to get me on this stage. <laughs> God damn, triple cheese, extra onion, uh, motherfucker. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to the next one. Uh, will Jay, will main event Jay show up on SmackDown or will Soul step in? Uh, I think we're going to get free bird rules, ladies and gentlemen. I think Solo will come in and do his job, and Jimmy and Solo will retain on behalf of the Usos. Uh, I don't think Jay will be showing up. Uh, next question. Are you sold on this current Fiend Sucks team as being a major contender? Uh, I'll be honest with you guys. I've been completely out of the loop when it comes to the NBA. It just has not catched my attention this year. The Bulls have been hit and miss, and it's just haven't been fun to watch basketball recently. I'm not really a big fan of today's NBA. Uh, congrats to uh, Latwat for breaking the scoring record the other night. I saw that. Uh, I still think he's probably the most overrated player in the history of the NBA. Um, but I saw last night that uh, Kevin Durant is now with the Phoenix Suns, and we all could... Admit, like I said, when this trade happened three years ago, super teams are ass. They're not sustainable. And look what happened to the Brooklyn Nets. So congratulations, KD. You're on another front-running team with a bunch of superstars. Hopefully you don't embarrass yourself and piss down your pants and lose to the Warriors in the playoffs. So, um, sure, I'm sure they could be a major contender, but... Same old deal, same old NBA. I am not a fan. Would you bring in Russell Westbrook if you're a Bulls fan? Yes, I would. Why not? Uh, I don't. I don't. I really can't expand on that question. But why not? Um, do you like this build towards Seth Rollins and Logan Paul possibly for WrestleMania? Uh, like I said, uh, when we were talking about the Rumble last week, if that's a match, is that if that's a feature attraction match that they want to do, um, I wouldn't have a problem with that. That's probably a match that could steal the show, maybe on night one or something like that. That could be the semi-made event. Uh, I I love what I heard from Seth when he was on the Pat McAfee show from Radio Row uh, yesterday. I thought that was pretty cool, and um, I w- I wouldn't have a problem if that is the match that they're going to do, but. We'll have to see when the next time we'll see Logan Paul on our TV screens and go for there. My uh, my next best guess would probably be the uh, show after the Elimination Chamber. Do you think Will Ospreay will rewrite for all the wrongs later this year by winning the G1 main event next year's Wrestle Kingdom and winning the IWGP title? Well, I, I certainly hope so. Um, if the, If that's the case... And he doesn't win uh, the, the title at the Tokyo Dome next year for uh, Wrestle Kingdom 18. Then there'll have to be some deep conversations of what he wants to do. Because I, I don't know how many more times he got like, the best matches at, in, at the Tokyo Dome and still lose and lose and lose and lose. So, uh, yeah, sure, why not? I wouldn't have a problem with Osprey winning G1. And he has to finish the job, finish the story. Next question. Thoughts on the New Japan Impact Multiverse event? Yes, I saw this announcement the other day. They'll be taping a special on 5TV. It's a joint venture of Impact versus New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, yeah, I would... Uh, these, he had an extra question. Like, what other matches would you like to see take place at Multiverse? Well, from what I saw, I've heard it's... Um, well, Osprey against Mike Bailey. That's the only match I 
heard that was announced so far. Uh, look, I'm I'm down for that. You know, you could have a lot of different intriguing matches that you want to do. Josh Alexander already fought um, Tomohiro Ishii, so I probably don't want to see that again. Um, it was a good match, but I don't, I don't want to see that. Uh, probably could do Josh Alexander and Shingo. Uh, you know, maybe have Steve Macklin uh, take on. That's a great question. You can probably have like Steve Macklin against Sonata or somebody like that. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, you can have Lij uh, like Naito and. Um, Hiromu, like, let's say, like, you have Naito and Hiromu against uh, the Machine Guns. I don't know if they'll do Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi against the Machine Guns. I guess you could do that. Uh, there's there's a lot of different options you could go from there. But, yeah, I'm totally in for this event. I think it'd be awesome. Uh, it's good for New Japan to get some exposure and doing some stuff like that with Impact. And I think that'd be a pretty cool event. Uh, thank you, Chris, for the questions this week. As always, I appreciate you, brother. All right, let's go to the next set of questions from the good brother Mike at Main Event Swerve. Let's see what Mike has for us this week. Happy recording day, Usus. I'm homesick with Sinus acting up in a major way, but glad to take a seat on the back porch this week. Well, brother, I hope you feel better. Make sure you consume as much high-quality H2O as possible. Other than Cody's win, what was your favorite moment in the Men's Royal Rumble? Uh, I, I said this last week, uh, Edge coming out and just going absolutely rogue. I know that's an odd choice to make because obviously he, was, he didn't really care about whether or not he wanted to win the Rumble match, but I loved everything that's gone on with this Edge and Judgment Day storyline going back all the way to Extreme Rules where uh, they sent uh, Beth Phoenix to the Gulags and on-site edge is just so much fun to watch and I, I just got a big pop out of it and of course Michael Cole's uh, commentary where he's like Dom you're a piece of shit <laughs> I thought that was hilarious <laughs> um, question number two speaking of returns what do you think about Chelsea Green's performance against Asuka on Raw not bad yeah I agree with you I, I like I told Brian Carter last week I think she could really excel in this type of role and she's one of those performers that really maximizes her t- uh, maximizes her TV time, regardless of whether she's a heel or a face. And the girl's talented, and I could be more happy for her. And it wasn't like it was a complete squash match. She got some offense at Asuka. Uh, I think Chelsea Green is going to do some really good stuff uh, on Raw, and they're doing it the right way where you have a reason to invest into her character and people are going to want to boo her. So I, I think this is a good start so far. Was Raw's women's cage much, much more special because it was cut then built to with Bailey getting personal in her promo. I, I think it's probably just more special for the, uh, the symbolism of the fact that it was the main event. And also you feature Lita, who's in the first ever women's main event steel cage match on Raw. I think that's probably the significance there. Yeah, this, did it was a nice added layer to the match where you, uh, Bailey was talking about Seth Rollins and stuff like that. Sure. But also at the same time, and I said this when everybody was throwing a hissy fit over the fact that the match was being scrapped for Raw 30. Honestly, they had the cage match at Raw 30. Nobody gives a shit. 
I don't think you have as much fire and care for the match if it was just there at Raw 30. Now you had a reason to have the cage match, and uh, I thought the ladies did a good job on Monday. Speaking of Bailey, did JC make that kick to the end? Uh, hold up. Speaking of Bailey, did JC make that kick to end the show? The most memorable Ding Dong Hello segment yet. Um, a lot to wait. I'm not a prisoner of the moment, Mike. You know that. Uh, I don't really act that way, but um, it was good. It was good. I, I'll say that. Uh, I still have to say the best Ding Dong Hello moment is still him uh, with her and uh, Seth Rollins at the same time. That's probably my favorite version of that segment. Uh, question number five here. He says, if Big E were to return, who would you like to see him take on first? Good question there. Mm. That just depends on which show he's on. I think that's the thing. If Big E is on SmackDown, um, you know, maybe we could... Um, has to the word Biggie fights Santos Escobar or Karrion Cross if he's on Raw. You know, big I think a few with Austin Theory and Big E would be really good. We've we did Big E and last year a couple times they have a history with each other, but uh those are the ones off the top of my head. That that that's a good question. Um every now and then I want to see the mixed match challenge turn. What do you think of Kofi Kingston and Sol Ruka as a team? What are the three mixed tag uh mixed match teams would you like to see? Yes, I think Kofi and So would be a good team, actually. Um, of course, you have to put Steph and Becky in there. It's just good writing on the wall there. Jimmy and Naomi were already in the original Mixed Match Challenge, so I really can't say them. <laughs> uh, man. That's interesting. Um, Do you, would you put Bray Wyatt and Alexa in a mixed match challenge? Would you do that? <laughs> uh, Santos and Salida obviously would fit very well. Obviously, since they're the group uh, with each other. You know, I I really think that um, I think Austin Theory and Bailey would be a good uh, team for the mixed match challenge. But that's just my opinion. Let's go to the next one here. What do you think of the new rules in Major League Baseball? Pitch clock. Wider bases, what? No defensive shifts. Will these help the game? Um, I certainly hope so, but I think there's a lot of just nuance with baseball that's kind of taking fun out of it when I, I was growing up as a kid and really loved it. I loved baseball. Uh, as a kid, it was my favorite sport growing up. And it's just, I don't know. I don't have that fun and passion with it as I did when I was younger. Now, you can say that because I'm a White Sox fan and maybe it's because of the results and stuff like that. No, it's not that. It's just I don't have fun watching uh, baseball as I used to. Even when the Sox were bad or whatever, I would, used to be excited watching Sunday Night Baseball by my Uncle Vito's house and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, I loved Baseball Girl as a kid. I played it. I was halfway decent at it. <laughs> Humbly saying, uh, but you know, I I love baseball, but there is a missing element. I can't describe what it is, but I think all of us can relate. There's something missing in the MLB right now where it's not really something that I have to watch, and it's not a fun experience watching it. I think there's too much of an emphasis on analytics and stuff like that. That's just not 
look, I want to watch sports. I don't want to play fucking mental gymnastics while I'm watching a sport. That's just my opinion. <laughs> uh, next one. Speaking of changes, what do you think of the Pro Bowl games? Is Omaha Productions, run by the Mannings, onto something here? I watched a little bit of there because I know Pat was calling it. Uh, I liked uh, the whatever their interpretation of the slam dunk contest where like the wide receivers were doing fancy catches. I think it was Stephon Diggs and Amron St. Brown for the Browns. Uh, my bad for the brand new Lions. I, I like that. Uh, flag football is all right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's going to take a while for the NFL to pinpoint what can make the Pro Bowl exciting. And that's the thing. It's so wild. Maybe it's just the way society is right now. Maybe there's too much expectation. We had so many epic moments from, like, NBA All-Star Weekend and the uh, Home Run Derbies. Like, I think out of everything that we watch every single year, I still think the Home Run Derby is probably the best event that features All-Star players, right? But everything in between is not fun anymore. The slam dunk contest is a waste of time. I'm sorry. I don't have to waste my time listening to fucking Kenny the Jet Smith run his mouth doing live commentary with the open with the, the the mic going into the crowd. Sorry folks, nobody wants to listen to the Jet ramble, a fucking point guard, uh rambling his mouth about what's a good dunk or not. You're you're even a good dunker yourself. <laughs> Why should I take your opinion seriously? It's just not it's not as anticipated as it was back then when I was growing up as a kid. It's like Man, you'd be excited to watch the MLB All-Star game or you feel like it was a big deal or the Pro Bowl and stuff like that. But now it's like these are just games. The effort's not there. It's like a shoulder shrug. It's like it's like something to just get past through. And, you know, there's just no rhyme or reason to it anymore. And that's unfortunate. What is it about being a Pat McAfee show fan that causes me or anyone to talk more like Pat saying Ot and Don and someone having a day. Um, I think that's just the charm of who he is, man. The guy's a superstar, and he's very relatable. Um, what I did realize is a lot of those Pittsburgh Yinzer uh, slings there have a lot of ties to Italian roots, and I'm I'm half Italian, for those who don't know, and I get to uh, enjoy a little bit more of my culture and stuff like that, get to know about it by listening to Pat's show. So, you know. Gonna chill today, maybe go out tomorrow, maybe go check out a movie tomorrow. Uh, I haven't done that in a while, haven't gone to the movies in a while, so I might go down to go check out a movie at the AMC Theater, you know, take a stroll down there and see what what's there to offer. <laughs> but uh, it's just fun scenes, you know, like, why be a bug, that's a bug, that's a bug, like, what? What? I done what I done. It's fun. <laughs> um, what do you most want to see out of the GS slash WWE Universe mode in the new WWE 2K23 game? By the way, I'm trying to do my best Michael Cole impression. That's why I keep saying WWE. <laughs> uh, War Games, maybe? Yeah, I'm excited to see how the War Games uh, match is played in the video game. I haven't done that before. I don't think that's ever been a, an option. But, um, you know, I'm just like, I'm very curious to see how the universe mode is 
uh, dictated stuff like that. Uh, I tried the GMO for last year's game, and it was all right. Uh, you know, having that responsibility of being the booker and stuff like that was a cool feature with the old uh, SmackDown versus Raw games. Um, I'm just excited to see what new elements they add to it. There's nothing really specific that I'm looking forward to as far as match options or stuff like that. Let's want to see how the flow of it goes. Uh, speaking of games, <laughs> did you hear about AW Fight Forever getting delayed because it couldn't get a T for T rating? What the heck goes on in this game in your eyes? Well, <laughs> with that, what I have to say this. What could go wrong will go wrong. I, I bet you they're trying their best to uh, sell the... A, 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 the exploding sparkler barbar death uh fest uh the mimosa mayhem match i mean you could bleed your guts out on the on these ufc video games but <laughs> they're delaying it can't get it here's the deal either the concepts that they're pitching for these outlaw macho matches that we already see uh barbed wire everywhere <laughs> <laughs> that that brutal match that uh, Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston had, barbed wire everywhere, lights hot, uh, stuff like that. It's either the the developers or the gamers of these like sponsors just don't want to acknowledge those type of matches because how stupid and retarded they are, or maybe they're not into the AW content like a lot of people on Twitter are. Ooh, did I hit a did I hit a stray there? Did were you offended by that? I'm sorry, not sorry. Next question. I'm no Dan Clanson fan, but is the Ass Boys theme song his best contribution to AW? Any love for Ass Boys as tag champions? Uh, two-part uh, answer here for this two-part question. Number one, I have not listened to uh, the Ass Boys theme for Dan Clanson. And secondly, I'll say my thoughts on the Ass Boys becoming tag champions and what the hell is wrong with AEW. But I'm glad you asked that. Uh, final question here for Mike. He says, so NXT had a solid audience for a roadshow outside of Florida. Where else would you like to see them try a roadshow yet to fill the seats? Um, good question. I'd love to see them go to Pittsburgh. You know, something like that. I think that'd be pretty cool. Go to Pittsburgh. Maybe go to... Um, San Jose again, maybe go to um, Arizona. I, I, I could say Chicago, but I'd be biased, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of different places you can go check it out. Um, I hope they do find a way to have like a new home base in Florida where they can do the shows and not have to be just at the Performance Center. Like if they could get back to doing the full sale day, that'd be awesome. You know, for me, as I'm still planning to move down there and I'm still ready, like, I, I still want to move down there. That that has not changed. So hopefully it's sooner rather than later. Uh, but for me, I, I think that'd be awesome if they still had the NXT show still based in Florida. But I do think when you have, like, the premium live events or uh, the specialty shows, it should be out of the at least the performance center. If you want to do these premium live events, it has to be outside of the PC or out of Florida in general. So you have a lot of different options that you could pick from. And I'm just curious to see how they go about it. Well, 
Stay Usi, no matter what, whether you side with the bloodline or Zane, goodish, whether they won or not. <laughs> thank you, Mike. Thank you for the questions this week. I appreciate it. Good job as always. All right. Our last set of questions this week comes from, oh, yes, Psycho Nagiri, Nate the Great, joins us with his presence this week. Good, good set of questions here. Let's see what's on uh, Nate's mind. All right. No matter how much you hate the Young Bucks, you had to admit they're better than whatever the new chants are or old chants were. Where did teams not name the Usos, FTR, or Young Bucks go so wrong? <laughs> well, I don't have to admit that the Young Bucks are better. Uh, they're probably better, but they're better than both those teams, probably on default on wrestling skills. But as far as entertainment uh, is concerned, no, I don't have to admit anything. The Upbucks are still ass. They're still trash, just like uh, the city of Philadelphia. Pure trash. Hashtag Philly is trash. Hashtag the elite is trash. Hashtag the Upbucks are trash. You're not giving me on that one, good brother. <laughs> I know you're a Upbucks fan, but you ain't getting me on that one. Uh, <laughs> weren't we just sold the bill of goods, though? Or were we to sell a bill, bill of goods that this is going to be, AEW's going to be defined by our tag team wrestling. We have the best tag team division in all professional wrestling. Ah, shut the fuck up. No, you don't. <laughs> well, by the way, what happened to those top five rankings? Did, <laughs> uh, did that suddenly disappear? Uh, do wins and losses still matter in AEW? I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> how, do you, how do you transcribe... This is a good question. How do you transcribe a guy like Logan Paul's matches when he's so new? Uh, I just think it's just uh, with the experience I've had. And, like, I have as good of I, as I can get of a database of what moves are and sequences look like. And I really credit uh, New Japan for that, like, really expanding my knowledge of what moves names are and stuff like that and what I can see in Scout and stuff like that. Now, here's the thing. Logan Paul hasn't come out with any fancy names for his certain moves. And I think that's the thing that kind of is different in the world of transcription for wrestling shows and stuff like that. Is that sometimes you got to do some extra work, some extra research to figure out the names for some of these moves. Because there's like 20 different names for simple moonsaults or uh, lariats or <laughs> uh, emerald flosions. <laughs> and cutters and et cetera, et cetera. There's so many different <laughs> 450 flashes. Uh, there's just so many different names for certain moves they see all the time in every match. But when it comes to Logan Paul, uh, it, it was, I wouldn't say it was a bad thing, but like his offense was very simple from uh, other shows that I see. Like what you see from Logan Paul in his matches it's probably the same stuff we probably see from Action and Dreddy when he's in AEW. Now, I think Logan Paul has characteristics and mannerisms in his matches that are far superior from your generic person that you would see on AEW Dark or Rampage or et cetera, et cetera. And I, I think he's done a good job so far in the matches he's participated in. So it's really not a challenge for me, uh, Nate, as far as transcribing his matches because he's a new wrestler. I go with the flow. I go by what the announcers say if they have a new fancy name for a move. But for the most part, when it comes to just the majority of wrestling, I can basically transcribe most of the matches I need to transcribe. 
And then there's other cases where you see wrestlers that you don't see a lot, and they have most of their offenses based in submission wrestling and jiu-jitsu and MMA. And, like, those throw me for a little because I'm not the best with, like, analyzing submission-style wrestling. I'm not really a big fan of MMA. I'm not a jiu-jitsu fan. Like, there's so many guys on the roster at AEW that try to act like they're Fobo MMA fighters or Midoro Suzuki ripoffs, and that takes the fun out of it for me. But that's a good question. I'm glad you asked that. Um, does New Japan work with Impact interest you at all? Yeah, I, I do. I think it's it's gonna be a nice synergy, nice synergy, and it's gonna be a nice event that they're gonna do out there in LA. I think it's gonna be pretty dope, actually. So I think it's gonna be pretty cool. Um, do Strong and Ricochet have any chance Friday? Do you like them as a team? I like them as a teammate, but no, I don't believe they have a chance at Friday. Uh, it's going to be a good match, though. I'm looking forward to it. What is your favorite Elimination Chamber match of all time? Ooh. I think the the Elimination Chamber match where uh, Bray Wyatt became the WWE champion in 2017 is one of my favorite Chamber matches. Um, I guess you could say the Chamber where Shawn Michaels cost the Undertaker for the for the World Heavyweight Championship was another favorite of mine. I enjoyed that one. I got to see uh, Elimination Chamber before. Uh, back in 2012, uh, I got to go to Milwaukee with my Uncle Jeremy, and we got to see uh, CM Punk <laughs> defend his title, the Elimination Chamber. That was a fun one to watch. Uh, remember that night it was also Santino almost won the World Heavyweight title that Daniel Bryan made him tap out. <laughs> that was a funny night. I was there for that. It was his, it was a follow up to his performance in the Royal Rumble the month uh, prior, and it was like Santino got this like hot streak or whatever. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, those are the ones that come off the top of my head. Last question: What is one thing Chicago is known for that is overrated? Ooh, Mamma Mia, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, that the people here are great. <laughs> if I'm being honest, um, there's a lot of two-faced aspects of the people that live in this city. Uh, there's people that just act like robots and just stick to, you know, whatever things that they grow up on and stuff like that and act like robots and can't think for themselves. There's people that are just stuck inside to whatever political fence they're on. Um, I just probably say this: the notion that oh, Chicago's the best place to live because of the interaction with people and how friendly they are and stuff like that. I think that's highly overrated. Now, when it comes to like the food and stuff like that, the music, no, that's definitely not overrated. That is a fact, and that's a good parts of the city. But I just think in general, the people here not that great. And it's not just exclusive to the people who kill each other or doing these fucking, uh, you know, drive-bys and, you know, robberies and stuff like that. Uh, I just think the city has a lot of flaws with uh, morale and ethics. And I am, with my wits end, of <laughs> being in the city. I'm over it. <laughs> I'm done. I want to go. I don't want to come back. I'm done. Put a nail in the coffin, boys. Like, I'm done. Get me to Florida. Get me the hell out of here. 
So that's my thoughts on that. With that being said, a great uh, backports Q&A session. I want to thank Chris, Mike, and Nate for the questions this week. You guys killed it as always. If you want to participate in the backports Q&A session, all you have to do is hit me up at Twitter at the Hoots Podcast or the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. Coming up next is the Thoughts of Derrico right here on the Hoots Podcast. And now, the Thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the segment that 63% of the time works every time. It is the Thoughts of Derrico featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. So this week, I'm just going to do a little bit of a review of what I saw in WWE this week. And I actually want to start with NXT Vengeance Day, which I had a chance to check out and really enjoyed the pay-per-view. Uh, great stuff here. Uh, Wesley uh, retains his title against DiJack with some interference from Tony D'Angelo. I got to say, props, a ton of props need to go to Wesley because when Nick Carter got released, or Nick uh, Nash Carter got released, excuse me, I figured it would be over for Wesley, but he has he has kept it going um, ever since MSK was forced to break up, and he has kept it going, and he is just getting better and better and better uh, each time I see him. So congratulations to Wesley for sticking through it with some uh, overcoming great adversity. That's awesome. Keanu James and Fallon Henley defeat Caden Carter and Katana Chance to become the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. I got to tell you, Caden Carter and Katana Chance are for real. This is the first time I've gotten to see them in action, and I'm very impressed. They are very good, very, very strong team. They have a ton of potential in the future, and they were the longest reigning women's tag team champions of any division in WWE. So props to them, and Keanu James and Fallon Henley did a nice job too, but Carter and Chance are special. They've got a chance to do something great. I got to tell you, every time I see Carmelo Hayes, this guy has got superstar written all over them. He's got the look. He's got the attitude. He's got the in-ring ability. I love me some Carmelo Hayes. And he is absolutely the right person to to be the next challenger for Braun Breaker, which we'll get into here in just a minute. Uh, Good to see Dabakato back. It'll be good to see him and see what he can do against Apollo Crews. I always forget how athletic Apollo Crews is. Um, so it'll be good to see what he can do against a bigger guy in uh, Dabakato. That should be that should be great. Uh, good stuff with Gallus and the New Day, Chase U and Pretty Deadly. Chase U, I am all in on Chase U. They are hilarious. <laughs> oh, they're absolutely terrific. I loved what I saw from Chase U, Pretty Deadly as well. They got a great gimmick as well. This was a fun match, but I love me some Chase U. I want to see them more and more all the time. That was great. Um, Roxanne Perez, I've said before, I think she's going to go down as one of the best of all time. The fact that she's as good as she is at the age of 21, um, she's going to go down as one of the greatest WWE superstars of all time. She is the real deal. Love me some Roxanne Perez. Obviously, she has a little bit more work to do with her timing and um, and with some promos and stuff like that. But as she grows and as she matures in the business, in the company, she's going to be a superstar for years to come. So this is a fun match. Um, and, of course, we saw the implosion of Toxic Attraction on NXT this week. So we'll see how it goes from here. Um, I love me some J.C. Jane as well and um, Gigi Dolan as well. But Roxanne Perez, Gigi Dolan, J.C. Jane, well done. And then, of course, the main event, uh, Braun Breaker with uh, against Grayson Waller. Good match between the two of them. Uh, Braun Breaker uh, gets the win. I, I loved how Grayson Waller, uh, he went after Shawn Michaels on the media call 
after uh, the show, which I thought was so... I mean, no place is safe anymore to advance storylines. So I thought that was good. And then, of course, Carmelo Hayes comes out to confront Grayson Waller. I think Carmelo Hayes is absolutely the right person to carry the brand. Um, well, I'll talk about this in a couple weeks. I've got Carmelo Hayes winning the NXT Championship at Stand and Deliver. It's his time going forward, and then Braun Breaker starts his uh, run on the main roster after WrestleMania. That's what I think. But overall, really great show. Really enjoyed NXT TakeOver uh, Vengeance Day. Okay, let's get into SmackDown this week. And uh, the biggest thing to talk about in SmackDown this week, obviously great stuff, good ring action um, from everyone that we saw. Uh, the Brawling Brutes and the Viking Raiders, I want to say something specifically about that. I thought this was awesome, and I thought this has potential to be a, a, a slobber knocker. And it was a brawl. So I'll be curious to see what happens with both of these teams going forward. I'd love to see them get even more time on a bigger stage, like a premium live event. So that was good. And then, of course, uh, you know, we continue to heap praises on Roman Reigns, and rightfully so. So here's how good Roman Reigns is. He cuts a heel promo, uh, dissing the fans, all that stuff. Sammy attacks him from behind, sets up their match from Elimination Chamber. This is obviously the segment we all wanted to see this week. Sammy comes out, cuts a great promo. Then all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute. Roman Reigns has complete cause to be upset. Sammy Zayn broke up Roman Reigns' family. Jey Uso wasn't there. You couldn't get a hold of him. Like, So Roman Reigns cuts a complete heel promo, but you feel for him, and you understand why he's pissed. He's like, you broke up my family. My family is not here because of you, and you feel for him. So that's how good Roman Reigns is. He expresses all of his emotions like, he comes out, cuts a heel promo, but you're like, wait a minute, that's right. What? Sami Zayn's the bad guy here. So, this was incredibly well done. This has easily been the best storyline in pro wrestling over the last, you know, 15, 20 years. So, we'll see what happens with this at the pay-per-view. That's going to be great um, going forward. Going into Raw real fast, uh, we'll just talk about a couple things. Uh, I actually thought Raw was a terrific show this week. Looking forward to the tag match between Edge and Beth Phoenix against Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley at Elimination Chamber. We knew there'd be some sort of this, go- some sort of combination of this going forward. Great promo from everyone involved. Dom continues to get better every week. He was absolutely terrific. Uh, good stuff from D- uh, Damian Priest and um, D'Angelo Dawkins. Looks like the team of JBL and Baron Corbin is no more, which is fine. It's unfortunate we won't get to see JBL on TV because he's tremendous. I just don't know where Baron Corbin's going to go from here. I still think Baron Corbin needs to go back to the lone wolf gimmick. That was his best gimmick for sure. He needs to go back to that and just be an ass kicker like I know we can be. Uh, Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley will tear the house down at Elimination Chamber, of course. That'll be great. Um, looks like we looks like MVP is back with uh, Cedric Alexander and, Sh- and Shelton Benjamin. So that's going to be terrific. Could be the full-out return of the Hurt Business, which I'm all about. That's going to be terrific. Um, great to see Asuka back. Uh, she made short work of Chelsea Green. Always great to see that. Okay. So remember how the internet said that Cody Rhodes was going to get buried after Royal Rumble because of the whole Sami Zayn thing? Yeah, they quickly put that to bed real fast. Did you see this Paul Heyman and Cody Rhodes promo? It was unbelievable. We know how good Paul Heyman is. Cody Rhodes gets emotional whenever he's talking about his dad and all the stuff that he does. This promo was, un- this sold WrestleMania. And this, once again, sold Cody Rhodes winning the Undisputed Universal Championship, which we all knew was going to happen. I said last week, or I think it was last week, that I'd be okay putting the title on Sami Zayn, which I still would be fine with that. We'll see what happens at Elimination Chamber. Um, if they really wanted to put a title on Sami Zayn, that's fine. Um, if they want to put the tag titles on Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, that's fine. But 
once again, they completely sold us on Cody Rhodes. And the inner, oh my God, they're going to bury Cody Rhodes. No, they're not. And I said this last week, just relax, just shut up. Cody Rhodes is still going to win a championship at WrestleMania. And this promo proved it. This promo proved it. This was just fantastic. Great stuff from Heyman. Great stuff from Rhodes. I, what more can you say? Um, Montez Ford beats Elias. Great. Cool to see Lita back to close the show. I thought that was really great. That was a very unexpected surprise. Um, I'm okay with a triple, uh, like some sort of tag match. Um, if they want to get damage control in there, I've heard rumors of Bailey and Lita and Tristratus against damage control at Elimination Chamber. Fine. That'd be a fun match and the way to get to get something set up for WrestleMania. So, all of, uh, overall, great stuff this week. Great show overall. Really enjoyed NXT, SmackDown, and Raw. And that's real good. And those are the thoughts of Derrico this week. Um, I hope everybody enjoys their Super Bowl weekend. My final thought is the Eagles are the better team. The Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, which automatically keeps him in it. I've got the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, but this is going to be a really good game. I can't wait to see it. This has been the thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man. The year was 2000. The till in my family had dried up a bit. Hard times became more than just a promo. Simply put, my family went broke. $100 in a Wachovia checking account for all of us. You need a visual aid for it. My dad doing local car commercials and not for the money just so that he could keep the car. Then he, he got a phone call. You called him. You told him ECW was in town. You told him that Steve Carino was gonna talk a little smack about him and that if he would just agree to appear on camera, if Dusty Rhodes would be on ECW, you would pay him and you would pay him well. You kept your word. In addition to the money that we sorely needed, ECW gave my father his confidence back, and I can never, ever repay you for that. Thank you very much. This isn't about your dad. This is about you. This, this is about everything that you have fought for from the bottom all the way up out the door, back in the door, to winning the Men's Royal Rumble, to main eventing WrestleMania. In my last conversation with your dad, he told me, you, Cody, were his favorite son. But Roman Reigns was the son he always wanted. Yeah. You know, I'm just trying to win a wrestling championship, and everybody, everybody wants to make it personal. 
And that's what you just did. And you're not going to pay for it, Mr. Heyman. Your boy, Roman Reigns, is going to pay for it at WrestleMania when I take those titles personally. Welcome back, everybody, to the Hoots Podcast. Time to talk about what happened this week in WWE. Also, adding a little bonus uh, concert here for this segment, I'll be uh, previewing the lineup for uh, this coming weekend's NWA pay-per-view in Tampa Bay. We do spray to all fields when it comes to the world of professional wrestling. And I'll let you guys know the card coming up for NWA, enough said, uh, pay-per-view taking place this Saturday on Fight TV uh, for Tampa Bay. Uh, big, big card. Um, lots of matches. <laughs> uh, there's 13 on the card, and we'll um, go over that for you guys at the end of the second. But a uh, lot to discuss uh, this week uh, with WWE. Uh, I, first off, I would like to uh, thank everybody who took the time to uh, check out our first ever live stream reaction to a wrestling show. Uh, Saturday, I was getting really, really bored, and I knew I wanted to watch Vengeance Day. I was, I, w- I knew I wasn't going to cover it. But I was like, you know what? Let's have some fun with this. You know, I have the studio here, and it's my apartment. It's a Saturday night. I don't have no kids. I'm not in a relationship right now. I'm I'm kind of doing my own thing, and I have the right to choose what I want to do here, right? And I'm like, why not? Let's let's do a live stream reaction to the show. So I ended up doing that. Brother Carter joined halfway through the show, and uh, like he said, there was a lot of good stuff on that uh, premium live event. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, for the most part, uh, Wesley and Dijek had a bar burner. That was fantastic. Hope Dijek is doing well with that broken finger. That did not look good um, at all. <laughs> but a pretty eventful night, too, for a premium live event. Uh, there was two title changes. Uh, we had... Uh, Kiana James and Fallon Henley become your new NXT uh, Women's uh, Tag Team Champions. Thought that was interesting there. Um, the match with Carmel Hayes and Apollo Crews I thought was good. Uh, the main event, Braun Breaker retains over Grayson Waller the Steel Cage match. So overall, I thought Vengeance was a good show. Uh, going back to SmackDown, um, I thought it was a really uh, good show for... Um, Tag Team Wrestling, I thought it was a nice, uh, a lot of emphasis on it. We had the finals of the SmackDown Tag Team Titles, uh, number one contenders tournament. It'll be Braun Strowman and Ricochet uh, taking on the Usos tomorrow. Um, but also, um, you know, um, they have uh, Braun Strowman and Ricochet take on Imperium. It was a very, very good match. Not only that, we had uh, the Brawly Brutes against the Viking Raiders. That was a very stiff match, if you know what I mean. Just talk about laying your shit in and stuff like that. I thought that was a very good uh, physical contest and stuff like that. I uh, thought the match with Charlotte Flair and Sony Deville is all right. Hopefully they can move on and go to different stuff with, uh, with that and see where Charlotte's mindset is at. I think they're probably making the right call here in keeping Rhea and Charlotte separate till until after the Elimination Chamber is over. We found out that Monday that um, Rhea Ripley will um, have <laughs> Rhea Ripley will um, fight 
uh, Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania for the SmackDown Women's Championship. But the Elimination Chamber is going to be Edge and Beth taking on Finn and Rhea in a mixed tag team match. And I'd like to thank everybody at WWE for checking out the podcast last week because that's exactly the exact match I pitched for that pay-per-view. I'm glad we're going to see it because that's going to be a fun match to watch. Really quick here, I would like to um, mention, uh, if you guys go back to SmackDown last week, I'd like you guys to go check out the promo Roman had before Sammy came out and attacked him. By the way, a good decision there by your baby face to attack somebody from behind, but that's even here and there. Um, <laughs> I, I The promo he was cutting beforehand about, you know, he gives, it gives the industry, and everybody just wants to take, take, take from the guy. Also, at the same point, you know, he's saying a lot of stuff that's true, that Sammy used the bloodline to prop up his uh, stock, if you will, his resume, his aura, his essence. <laughs> that's a fun uh, Matt Hardy term back in the day, essence. Uh, and then he's like, of course, you simpleton folks wouldn't understand. <laughs> Roman's about, like, he wants to talk about uh, Cody. The simpleton folk want to talk about Sami Zayn. We find out it'll be Roman Reigns against Sami Zayn for the Universal Championship at Elimination Chamber. Really quick, uh, let me um, get the card up for the Chamber because I got to tell you right now, this pay-per-view, for a quick turnaround and the matches that have been announced for this show, I'm very, very excited for what we're going to see coming up on February 18th, which will be a week from uh, Saturday. Literally, next Saturday is the Elimination Chamber. So next week, we'll have to make our predictions. No. So here's the matches that are announced for the show. We got, like I mentioned earlier, Edge and Beth Phoenix taking on Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. We have the uh, Elimination Chamber match to determine who Bianca Belair will fight at WrestleMania. It's Asuka, Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross, Raquel Rodriguez, Natalia, and the beautiful, and I mean beautiful, Carmella, who graced us with her presence. Got to be the last qualifier winning that Fatal 4-Way match on Raw this past Monday. By the way, I want to give a shout-out to Piper Niven. I thought she had a pretty good night there. Even though she lost most of that backstage segment with Candice LeRae, and uh, me, I thought was pretty good as well. Um, but that's the match for the ladies. Uh, the Elimination Chamber match for the guys for the United States title. Austin Derry puts the title online against Seth Freaking Rollins, Johnny Gargano, Bronson Reed, why Damian Priest, and Montez Ford. That is going to be a barn burner. And then the main event Roman Reigns against Sami Zayn for the Undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Uh, we got four matches announced there. We'll expect something, probably some announcement possibly having uh, Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. Raw's going to be in uh, Brooklyn next week. But first off, before we get to anything else and everything going on with Sami Zayn and et cetera, et cetera, and the whole Cody and Paul promo, I have to give a shout-out to the Orlando crowd this past Monday. They were phenomenal. From start to end, I thought that crowd really helped a lot of things on the show that usually would be like a shoulder shrug if the show is like in 
uh, Des Moines, Iowa, or Lafayette, Louisiana, or <laughs> Laredo, Texas, and stuff like that. Uh, this crowd was phenomenal uh, this past Monday at Raw. I thought that was great. And then, you know, going to Brooklyn next week, you see, these Brooklyn crowd shows are usually always fun to watch. So expect a hot crowd for that and see what goes down on that show. But I, like Brett Carter said, I thought Raw was really, really good this week. I think Raw was the best show completely from top to bottom, from everything, from matches to angles to energy, from everything. I thought Raw was the best show this week out of everything I've seen from wrestling this week. And, you know, Angelo Dawkins and Damian Priest had a good match. Uh, I talked about the ladies four-way. The Brock (laughs) Lesnar-Lashley segment where Brock is like, you know, he has lastly stuck in his head ever since been eliminated from the rumble he's like i go hunting and all i could think about is bobby lashley i go ice fishing <laughs> and all i could think about is bobby lashley he brings sable to bed and then four or five hours later he's bobby lashley. I, 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 cowboy brock is a trip man i i have to say that for sure um it was short and brief, but the uh, the Hurt Business match with the Alpha Academy, good stuff. Um, Seth Rollins giving Theory the uh, curb stop on the floor. I thought that was interesting uh, when that was going down. Uh, just some really good stuff overall for Raw. And just overall in WWE in general, I think this is a good time. Looks like the company's clicking on all cylinders, and there's a lot of momentum uh, this premium live event coming up uh, next Saturday it should be a fantastic show with a fantastic crowd. And we just got things are cooking up, man. And it really bumps me out that I won't be at WrestleMania this year. But um, it's a fun time to watch the product right now. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And a lot of it has to go back to this Bloodline storyline. And again, like I put um, the title of this week's episode that Sammy's not the one. And it's not a personal dig against the guy. I like him. I think he's done good work. But I also see things for what they are and what there isn't. And, you know, what happened this past Monday night with Cody Rhodes and Paul Heyman is just absolute gold for how good of storytelling was, for what they were telling the audience from, you know, exchanging pleasantries, you know, acknowledging uh, Cody's family's past with Paul Heyman, everything that went on with that whole ECW story. And then Paul, Paul Heyman's uh, 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 an icon. I'll say that. Paul Heyman is a wrestling icon. If there's anybody to take motivation from, inspiration from, et cetera, et cetera, it's that man. As far as being an orator, uh, being a guy who talks, conveys stories, brings you along the path and the journey and how he goes about his messaging and the work he's done as a advocate, as a manager, as a special counsel or the wise man. He's the best of all time. I, I really believe that Paul Heyman is the best of all time when it comes to being a non wrestling personality 
it's Paul Heyman and everybody else. What he did on Monday was just absolutely phenomenal. And bringing it back to the backdrop of, you know, Dusty Rhodes was the trainer for a lot of the guys we see and girls we see today. He said it, Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch, Bailey, Kevin Owens, and Roman Reigns. And all that to get to the point where he says, he tells Cody that, um, you know, Roman Reigns was the son that <laughs> he always wanted. The facial reactions from Cody were perfect here. The the energy from the crowd. Again, it still amazes me that these Nimrods are going hook, line, and seeker that, oh, the crowd's going to start booing Cody. Oh, the crowd's going to turn on Cody. The well, they're not, not going to care about it. Oh, that Sami Zayn should be the one that made the event WrestleMania. Just stop this shit already. Sammy's going to get his moment in Montreal. He's going to be humbled. He's going to be exposed. He's going to be put down by the tribal chief. He'll have a good fight. It'll be a good match. But he'll acknowledge the tribal chief. There's levels to this. And Sammy is not the one to beat Roman Reigns. You could bring back his old theme song where he's dancing like a, a lunatic that's having a seizure. You could put Kevin Owens' tape over the bloodline stuff. You could do a whole bunch of stuff. You can even cheer for the guy. Sammy is not the one to beat Roman Reigns. I don't care if it's Sam Roberts pitching, oh, WrestleMania should be a triple threat match. Oh, it's WrestleMania. What's the best idea to imp- imp- implement somebody that's never going to win the title in the first place? Oh, let's put him in a triple threat match. Triple threat this. Triple threat that. Oh, we had to force Daniel Bryan not only into one WrestleMania main event, but two WrestleMania main events. One, he certainly as hell did not deserve to be a part in, and that was WrestleMania 37. And... Guess what happened in that one? Roman stacked not only Edge, but Daniel Bryan on top of each other and showed again why he is the best in the world. But let's recreate that every other year or every three years that we need a triple threat match for WrestleMania featuring somebody from the Indies with a fucking beard. Can we stop fooling ourselves? Can we stop fooling ourselves? Does anybody believe whether or not Sammy gets included in the Roman Reigns Cody Rhodes match at WrestleMania? Does anybody believe that Sammy Zayn is going to walk out as the champion? And can you tell me that with a straight face? What? 10 Haluva kicks? Three blue thunder bombs? <laughs> Stop fooling yourself. The story that Cody and Paul had on Monday is just stuff that you will go back to watch a gazillion times as time goes on. And the Tribal Chief is just that. Tribal Chief is one-on-one. Cody Rose is one-on-one. And Sami Zayn is not the one to beat the one that is Roman Reigns. On that note, That's my thoughts on what happened this week.
in WWE. Let's take a let's take a quick look here for the card for NWA Nuff said coming up this Saturday uh, live on Fight TV taking place at the Egypt Shrine Center in Tampa Bay, Florida. Tampa Bay, good city, not too shabby. Here's the matches for the pre-show. We got Mr. Kate taking on La Rosa Negra. We got Dax Draper and Matthew Miz taking on a team of Jack Stane and Blake Troop. They'll be accompanied by Chris Sylvia Esquire. We have Macario and Italia Macarva taking on the team of Genocide and Max the Appareler in an intergender tag team match. We have Odinson against Joe Alonso in a singles match. And then here's the matches for the card here for the main pay-per-view card. Uh, we got Pretty Empowered putting their NWA World Women's Tag Team titles online against the Renegade Twins. La Rebellion will put their tag team titles online against uh, Blunt Force Trauma. Thomas Latimer will be taking on Fodder in a Singapore Kane match. We have EC3 taking on Kevin Kiley, a.k.a. Alex Riley, uh, will be making his NWA debut coming up on Saturday. Uh, we have Chris Adonis against Trevor Murdoch in a grudge match. That should be pretty good. Uh, Camille will be putting her NWA World Women's Championship online against Angelina Love. We have Kerry Morin putting his NWA Junior Heavyweight title online against Alex Taylor of the Il Biaden. We got Sion, the mass Sion with his father, Austin Isle, taking on Homicide for the NWA National Heavyweight Championship. And in the main event, nobody's allowed at ringside. The champion, Tyrus Smash, taking on Matt Cardona for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, a.k.a. Edge's Bitch. <laughs> to me, you will always be Edge's Bitch. <laughs> Uh, hopefully, Matt Cardona gets the title back that he never lost, and we can end this Tyrus ty ty publicity stunt. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this pay per view. It's NWA Nuff Set coming up this Saturday. I'll be covering that event for WrestlingHeadlines.com. With that being said, it's time for the main event. It's scheduled for one fall with an unlimited time limit. It's what everybody wants, what everybody needs. A brand new edition of What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Let's start this off with Burke Carter via satellite this week in a three, a two, a one. Beat your meat. Beat, beat your meat. 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 I'm telling you, my time is right now. Right this minute, 2022. We're living in my time is now. My time is right. God damn now. Man, what intensity. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with A.E.W. What the Hell is Wrong with A.E.W. You know, I gotta tell you, 
It's amazing to me how much momentum it's possible that a wrestling program can kill in one show. And that's exactly what happened this week on Dynamite. Oh my God. Did they just, well, here, we'll get into it, but I'm just saying they just killed all the momentum that they had in the world, which I shouldn't really be surprised about because this is AEW, but all right, let's get into it. Let's talk about the stuff that I did enjoy, and everything that I enjoyed around this show all revolved around MJF. Um, I thought a great match from MJF and Takeshita to open the show. Um, I'm always happy to see MJF in the ring. Uh, just to remind me that he actually can wrestle. I think sometimes that we, I know me personally, sometimes I forget that because of just how great of a character he is, and we don't see him in the ring that often. But um, so it was great to see, and just a good reminder how, what that he is a very good wrestler. And honestly, I thought Takeshita looked great too. Um, I thought this was a very good match, very good uh, combination of, of brawling, but also good technical wrestling. I thought this was a great what match to open the show. Um, and then, of course, MJF cuts another incredible promo backstage. Um, he is just such a bastard heel, and it's great. Not like the bastard pack, but like just such an over-the-top, terrible person heel. It's great. And then, I actually, did, I actually liked the tactic from MJF to try to lock Danielson in the locker room. To try to be like, well, count to ten. You know, because then, you you know, then Danielson wouldn't be able to compete because he would technically forfeit the match. And it was a good match with Rouge and Danielson. I enjoyed the combination of the physicality and the technical wrestling, but the blood was completely unnecessary. Honestly, that ruined it for me. It really did. When when Danielson started bleeding, I was like, okay, and here we go, because AEW can't help but get in their own way. But again, everything around the show that I enjoyed revolved around MJF, which I shouldn't be surprised about. Okay, let's get into the shit. And oh boy, was there a lot of shit. So of course, Takeshita has to bleed at the end, because it can't be AEW without blood or excessive violence. They can't just let their product speak for themselves. <sighs> okay. Um, Jamie Hayter versus The Bunny was not good. And once again, AEW fails their women's division. And then it, that idea continued backstage with the Soraya and Tony Storm stuff. They are absolutely awful as heels. They're terrible. Soraya is a terrible heel. Tony Storm is about as generic as they come. They might as well call her Generic Jones or something like that. Like, she is about as mid as it gets. And WWE should not return any phone calls should she decide to come back to the company. You know, she left, Tony Storm left WWE on her own accord. That's a blessing in disguise for Triple H. Um, this was awful. Speaking of awful, WWE was right to get rid of 2.0, Everrise, whatever you want to call them. They've become nothing more than jobbers in AEW. They absolutely suck. They are terrible in every way, shape, or form. I cannot stand them. Well, I can't stand the Jericho Appreciation Society in general. They're just horrendous. Speaking of this, the Jericho Appreciation Society, what did this gauntlet match do to help Ricky Starks? AEW is making Ricky Starks, who's one of the hottest acts in pro wrestling, look more and more irrelevant each week. But that's just the effect that the Jericho Appreciation Society has on everybody, more specifically Chris Jericho. That's the effect Chris Jericho has on everybody around him. Jericho should work permanently in a program with the elite because they, all of those acts deserve each other. Just put the, make the elite faces and have them feud with the Jericho Appreciation Society. That would be perfect for everybody involved because the elite suck. 
Um, the Jericho Appreciation Society sucks. That would be a perfect pairing. Speaking of that, I fa- honestly, I fast-forwarded through the trios match because I knew exactly what it was going to be. I watched AEW on DVR this week, and I knew exactly what it was going to be. So I just fast-forwarded past it because I knew it was going to be spot after spot after spot, and I didn't care. And then we get to the main event. Okay. Tony Khan has one of the hottest acts in pro wrestling right now, one of the shining stars, shining moments each week of AEW television in the acclaimed. And they take the belts off of them. This finish was sloppy as hell. Even like you look at the crowd, they have absolutely no idea what's going on. They're like, what just happened? So you have a sloppy finish, a teased heel turn with Billy Gunn. This was I I like the acclaimed. I think the guns have potential. This was not good. This they Tony Khan manages to take the belts off of one of the highest paid or one of the, the best and most shining acts. I guess this feud is going to continue. Fine. But where does the acclaimed go from here if they're not going to do this? What about the rest of the tag team division? Like, what, what are you going to do? I mean, Death Triangle is going to be off TV for a while probably. Uh, you know, uh, I can't even think of the other teams right now, but... I, where do you go from here? Where, where do you do with this? This I don't understand this decision at all. The the finish was sloppy. Everyone was just kind of like, uh, all right. And now we have no idea how this feud is going to continue. And not in a good way. Not in a good way is just basically how you can sum up all of All Elite Wrestling. This horrendous program, horrendous booker. And with the pay-per-view being less than a month and away, I have absolutely no reason to tune in. Seriously. What the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Thank you, Brother Connor, for the submission this week. I appreciate you, Brother, as always. Welcome, everybody, to What the Hell is Wrong with AEW, a.k.a. What Isn't Wrong with AEW. Um, <laughs> oh, boy, this should be interesting. Uh, well, I I felt like I let everybody down last week by not being able to read this also precious article that Bloomberg wrote for AEW and propping them up. Well, which I have to say, I will give Bloomberg credit. There was some aspects of this that are accurate, but I have to read this verbatim for you guys, and this is just absolutely insane to me. But let's start off with the Bloomberg thing, since I promised this to you guys last week. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's start off with this. All right. For four years, Khan's All Elite Wrestling LLC or AW has operated as an upstart rival to World Wrestling Entertainment Inc., deploying its own brand of predatory mayhem to convert diehard fans and seduce one-time viewers for whom WWE had become just another PG-rated board fest. Khan's formula: more blood spilled, more folding chairs match, more swearing, and more nuanced storylines. What a crock of shit that is. <laughs> Let's continue on. Quote, you generally get the feel that AEW is written by a fan for fans, says Tom Campbell of Industry Site Cuffaholic Wrestling. I'll let you react to that as you let that go through your ear holes. Let's continue on. 
Khan has spent tens of millions of dollars luring top stars such as Jericho, a six-time WWE World Champion, and Claudio Castanoli, a seven-time WWE Tag Team Champion, creating a fierce fight for talent that's been as dramatic at times as the plot lines in the ring. Wrestling stars have been pining between the upstart and the incumbent, chasing dollars, autonomy, and validation. Khan has also been sourcing talent from the indie circuit where thousands of wrestlers perform for tiny paychecks and a few dozen people at venues such as nightclubs and bingo halls. In March, Khan acquired the small but respected pro wrestling company Ring of Honor from Sinclair Broadcasting Group for an undisclosed sum, adding a new crop of wrestlers, some intellectual property, and an extensive video library. AEW is also considering starting a streaming service, likely through a deal with its broadcast partner, Warner Brothers Discovery, Inc., according to a person familiar with management, thinking who asked not to be named. Last year, AEW broke $100 million in annual revenue for the first time, the person says. As its new rival gains ground, WWE finds itself more volatile than ever before. Vince McMahon, who bought WWE's predecessor from his dad in the 1980s, transformed it from a regional attraction to a $6.3 billion empire. In July, after Wall Street Journal revealed that he had secretly paid $12 million in hush money payments to settle allegations of sexual misconduct and infidelity, his board of directors opened an investigation and McMahon announced his abrupt retirement. Six months later, it seems he changed his mind. In earlier January, as controlling shareholder, he complained himself chairman again, booted three board members and replaced them with allies. Two more quit in the aftermath. Now his daughter and his heir apparent Stephanie McMahon has left the business and her role as co-chief executive officer, officer leaving Nick Khan, no relation to Tony, in charge. In the week since, WWE has hired financial advisors to explore strategic options. Investor groups are also suing over McMahon's surprise return and sex scandal. WWE declined to talk to the business week about the saga. In a letter sent to the board in December, McMahon said he left WWE to get space for the investigation, but it was critical for him to return to lead the exploration of a possible sale and negotiate new media rights deals. No one has a greater interest in the long-term success of WWE or is more aligned with all WWE shareholders than me. McMahon's lawyer released a statement in January regarding the latest settlement stating that the wrestling executive denied sexually assaulting the accuser and settled the case solely to avoid the cost of litigation. Pro wrestling is a business with billions of dollars. This is the interesting part here. Pro wrestling is a business with billions of dollars in broadcast rights at stake. WWE made nearly $1.1 billion in revenue last fiscal year, dwarfing its new rival by more than tenfold. But AEW's viewership has crept up. What? But AEW's viewership has crept up. What? <laughs> uh, let's see what this bullshit is here. Uh, breaking a billion on several episodes, or about half of WWE's top show, both WWE's and AEW's right packages are expiring soon, set, setting up a crucial showdown between potential suitors that range from Fox Corp to Amazon Inc., Analyst says Comcast Corp can end up paying more than $2 billion to renew the arrangement it has with WWE to put its content on NBC's Peacock streaming service. Khan has promised that whatever deal replaces AEW's current one will be historic. One of the few areas 
in which media investors ring bullish is in sports rights Bloomberg Intelligence Gita Ragadon. Still, there's no shortage of, uh, this is the interesting part here. There's no shortage of skepticism about Khan's chops. Podcast hosts, former wrestling executives, and ex-staffers say AW is run by a rich kid spending daddy's cash. Jaguars defensive end Yannick Ngakwe once called him out in public as a spoiled brat before getting traded away. Tony has a tendency to ricochet off walls and say stupid shit because he doesn't really understand much about the industry, really. Legendary wrestling TV producer Eric Bischoff, who's worked with AEW, told the industry's publication Fight Bowl Magazine in November. He's a wrestling fan with a lot of money. Khan, who's 40, knows his credibility is in question on a daily basis. But AEW wrestlers are unanimous about his dedication. They say he's a wrestling nut who's excited about everything, all the time. Running through arenas to meetings involving every last detail, from scripts to sets, from contracts to bookings. They stay, stay in your seat after the live show goes off the air, and you'll see Khan and his mop of brown hair pop on stage as a hype man, pumping up fans to stay for additional matches. Backstage, he perpetually shouts, Let's fucking go! <laughs> It's not easy getting new people to watch pro wrestling. Haters deride it as fake fighting or just don't understand why anyone would watch a sport with prearranged victors. Even for the willing, the barrier to entry is high. You have to learn some basics to follow the storylines. You have you may have to fully suspend your disbelief. Oh god. <laughs> How about this one? The average AW van is more of a wrestling nerd than a casual WWE fan, many of whom don't care to learn the textbook's worth of insider slang that might enrich their understanding of what's happening in the ring. Wrestling jargon rivals the most abstruse corporate speak. Take this lingo, Jabalaya. On the go-home show, the babyface got a huge pop as he delivered a work shoot promo, seating his opponent as a glorified jobber who's garnered massive heat for botchy spots ever since he turned heel and left the stable. Get all of that? AEW fans did. If there's one term that explains wrestling culture, it's kayfabe, which is the portrayal of stage events, the term which Marion Wester speculates is derived from either carnival slang or from a pig lightning's version of B-fake, is the basis of all pro wrestling shows going back to the early 1900s. In the 50s and 60s, wrestlers such as Bruno Sammartino and Adula the Butcher would never break kayfabe staying in character even if it's spotted in the wild. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, let's see how this one continues here. Uh, this is a very long piece here that they wrote. Okay. Uh, talk about the go to the initial stage of making the company. Blah 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 blah. Okay. This is a very very long piece. <laughs> this is a lot of useless nonsense here. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, we're talking about TV deals. That was a part of it here. Let's read these last couple of paragraphs here and then I'll give you my thoughts, okay? (laughs) 
AEW's television contract, which was for $175 million, according to the Wrestling Observer, expires at the end of the year with an option for 2024. Meanwhile, Khan is gearing up to release Fight Forever, AEW's first video game later this year, to compete with the long-running WWE 2K franchise. As usual, he hasn't been stingy with funds, spent tens of millions of dollars to produce and market the game. And tens of millions of dollars more than a new wrestling talent. According to the person familiar with the company's financials who asked not to be named in November, Khan bought Jeff Jaredin, a 90s pro wrestler and a veteran wrestling exec who at the age of 55 still hits the occasional foe over the head with an acoustic guitar as director of business development. Double J's job is to expand AW's live events in smaller markets, mainly non-televised house shows at local venues across the U.S. Its first tour will debut in Troy, Ohio in March. One week after the show in Queens, AW's traveling crew is preparing for its next televised match on the campus of Temple University in Philadelphia. Several hours before wrestlers go on air, the vibe isn't all that different from backstage at a theater. In costume or in street clothes, wrestlers chat with each other in the hallways or grab a bite from the catering room. Those students who can be find a quiet corner amid the clutter of production equipment to plan and practice moves. AEW is used to list planned matches on a whiteboard, but it had to stop when the info began linking to the public. After a show in September, the Dirt Chiefs caught wind of a backstage brawl between several executives and the big money former WWE star CM Punk. Complete with the chairs throwing and biting, it was a real fight. The wrestling is reported. Was it or was it Kate Fabe? Okay. <laughs> I really think this goes back to the first thing I read, which was the the whole thing about a fan writing for fans. We're we're four years into this of this experiment, this uh, dirt sheet vanity project, as I like to call it. And as you watch these shows, I, I continue to ask the question, what is the identity of AW and what's the purpose of it? I still haven't found the answer to that question. Yeah, are there elements of traditional pro wrestling, blood, more grittier, more serious, than WWE? Sure. But to say that it's a fan writing by fans is really stretching out what the actual truth is. Is every person on a wrestling chat board or message board or subscriber to Fightful Select or whatever paywalls people subscribe to for wrestling content, is that really the whole genesis of every single wrestling fan. He writes wrestling for a niche side of the wrestling fandom spectrum. Let's be honest here. And there's a lot to discuss this week. You know, I I let Brother Carter really discuss much more of the dynamite aspect of TV this week because I really don't have much to say on the show last night, I I, I, I enjoyed the MGF match with Takesha. Uh, that was fine. Uh, you know, I, I I thought last night's show was just <laughs> dumb. To be honest, with you. the over excessive need of bleeding 
was so unnecessary. Everything that's gone into this Daniel, uh, this Brian Danielson and MJF feud has sucked. I know the match is going to be good at Revolution, but all the hoots and all the stuff just to get to the match was so stupid. Uh, uh, and I think it's kind of reckless in how AW has been treating Brian Danielson. I guess everybody uh, just thinks that he's going to be reckless in the ring and bring back the aura and the specialty of what he brought as the American Dragon during his run in Ring of Honor. And blah, 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 blah. We're, gonna, we're turning back the clock back 15 years ago. But again, at what cost? What cost to him physically and the future of his career? And also, what at, at what cost to MJF? And that's my thing. How can I continue to take this guy seriously as the face of your brand when every feud he has, he has to make these guys go through hoots, and each and every single time they do, they go through these hoots, they make him look stupid in the process. MTF is just like Paul Heyman. He's a great orator. His mouth will get him over regardless of who he's fighting. That's not the issue here. But on the surface, if you're watching this for the first time, if you're seeing as you have, you see how good of a wrestler it is. You see what he did in the ring with Takesha last night. And then you see him do this corny shit backstage. Uh, I was not a fan of that promo backstage. I thought that was not a good look on him or AEW for the fact they even approved that segment. I thought that was stupid. But just the whole stuff about locking the door and him coming out doing color commentary and still being made to look stupid. And this was my concern when this whole idea came about. And this all started him attacking William Regal. And William Regal hasn't even been addressed yet once since he left the company. And all we got from Brian Danielson so far in this year is, oh, I'm going to expose you. I'm going to expose you. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get the title. Man, the same Brian Danielson we've been seeing for 20 years. Nothing new. I watch his matches. He's a great wrestler. But I don't relate to the guy. I think Brian Danielson is two-faced. As a on-air character as a baby face I think he's overrated the guy wrestles as a heel yeah I'm supposed to like yes 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 like it's 2014 this was my concern going into this when this match was announced going into this pay-per-view they better not have him beat FGF in this Iron Man match They got to figure something out. There's no way in hell that this schmuck should end the momentum and kill the momentum that MJF is doing. Because at this point, Tony Khan is already killing all the momentum MJF had going for him into this pay-per-view. And it's not good. Uh, The Jamie Hayter buddy match, not good. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about the, the main event. Talk about killing momentum. We got the acclaimed popular tag team. One of the few reasons to watch this shit. Out comes the gun club. They're having their feud. We talked about the crappy segment they had last week. The dad's not at ringside. We have a crappy finish. The gun clubs are now your new AEW world tag team champions. 
for what? To do a transitional switch at Revolution, then have Billy turn down the acclaim after the fact? It's a clusterfuck. Don't even get me started on that Young Bucks Top Flight AR Fox tumbling routine. All I'm going to say right now is make sure you go check out Jim Cornette's podcast this week because I cannot convey what he should convey to all of us. I need I need a chance to go under the learning tree of Jim Cornette and listen to what he has to say about that match because that was the biggest clusterfuck of officiating I've ever seen in my entire life. That match was pure ass. When I talk about Outlaw Mud Show, that's what that match was. Then... Earlier in the show, again, for the second week in a row, we see a wrestler on camera blading themselves because we got to have blood. We need color. We need blood for it to be a good wrestling show. This show was the shits. I don't care about NGF and Brian Danielson. I don't care about the elites. I don't care about Revolution. This show was pure ass in my opinion and what's everybody talking about today oh seltzer said that there's a good chance that cm punk is gonna return to aew well guess what friends here's my thoughts on it and i'm gonna let conan tell you what's up here because Oh, CM Punk is making AEW. So, this is ridiculous. Let's play this. shows up at Revolution and guess what? You know my response to this? My response to that would be and what? So what? What's the point? I don't I don't get it, man. I don't get it. The amount of bad publicity that guy brought to your company and well, that he's going to come back and say they do the same shit he was doing before. We had this whole melee, this brouhaha. <laughs> it's just stupid. There's no point to it. He ruined all momentum that he could have had in making the impact that he was supposed to make in AEW. But no, that's, that's not how things work in AEW. Uh, by the way, I learned this week 
that Dax Harwood wanted a match with John Moxley on TV. You would think Mr. Tony Khan, the lover of John Moxley, John Moxley's biggest fan, he Tony Khan would not book a match on TV with Dax Harwood and uh, John Moxley, or even do a rematch of uh, FTR and the Young Bucks because he knew deep down in his heart that FTR is better than the Young Bucks. Tony Khan, Booker of the Year, my ass. On that note, that, my friends, is what the hell's wrong with AW this week. I want to thank you guys so much for hanging out with us for this special edition of the Hoots Podcast. We are three episodes away from episode 350. Make sure to bookmark that date. March 2nd, 2023 will be our 350th episode. You can follow me on Twitter if you like at the Hoots Podcast. Make sure to uh, check out Bernard Carter's work at DerekStoughton.com and WrestlingRumors.net. Remember, folks, be the authentic product that is yourself. Remember, nobody dictates the pace of your life but yourself and the man upstairs. I love you guys. Have a wonderful weekend. Hope you guys enjoyed the Super Bowl. I'm rooting for Rihanna and her waterfall this week. That's what my rooting interest is. And uh, with that being said, this has been episode 347 of the Hoots Podcast. We'll talk to you all next week and preview the Chamber of Eliminations. No! Talk to you all next week. I love you guys. Peace.